am glad you're here. If you've been around since the beginning, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming back. If you're new, welcome. This is a safe space where I talk about pop culture that has no real relevance to anything. I also throw in random stories about myself, and you get the chance to hear about a weird girl who likes movies too much. Today, we're talking about a truly horrible movie. Seriously bad. And yet, because I have quirky and questionable movie taste, I absolutely love it. It's the kind of bad that kind of circles around and just becomes fun. You have to have a movie like this that you just love despite the fact that it's horrible. I would love to hear what that movie is. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I posted about it. Please go find that post and tell me what the horrible movie is that you love. But today, as we celebrate the end of Bob Hoskins Appreciation Week, it's odd. I've only had two podcasts, but it's the end of the week. We're just, we're going with it. We're talking about Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yes. I kind of wonder if I enjoy the movie because I have no connection to any of the games. I didn't grow up with the Nintendo system, really. I mean, at some point... We got a Game Boy, but I was more of a Tetris girl. Um, I don't, I didn't like how in the Mario games, the, you're running and the screen is moving so you can't go backwards. <laughs> it always made me nervous and stressed out. So I didn't play those games. I, I, I am not a good gamer. It, it comes down to that. We did eventually get a PlayStation. And my favorite thing to do, well, I did like Crash Bandicoot, but my favorite thing to do was to play Lara Croft Tomb Raider. And before you actually got to the game, there was like a practice. You could practice in her mansion how to do the moves, the jumps, the kicks, the the flips, all of that. I only did the training thing. And I figured out that you could lure the butler into the freezer in her mansion and lock him in there because he was really annoying. And so that is, that's basically all I did with the PlayStation. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that really. Um, But I think that's probably why I like this movie so much because the lore, the story, the context of the world that Mario lives in, I know nothing about it. I I don't know the names of hardly any of the characters. Um, There's just no disappointment when I watch the movie that the things are wrong. That doesn't justify the plot, but I think it helps that I, you know, that I don't really know what's supposed to be going on. I do have a Nintendo Switch now, and while I typically play Lego games, uh, I'm so close to completing Lego Jurassic World. I just adore it. I also enjoy Endless Rounds of being the worst Mario Kart driver ever. So I do know a few of the names there, but that is... That's basically my connection to Nintendo. So well, let's let's talk about this movie. Before we dive in, of course, into the spoiler-filled summary, we've got some interesting tidbits about the movie. A little bit of lazy internet research from ScreenRant.com and also, of course, from IMDb. So the movie cost $48 million to make, and it brought in only a little over $20 million at the box office, which is horrible. Um, Bob Hoskins, who of course, starred in the movie as the iconic plumber, would later confirm that he was the victim of several serious injuries beyond just the damage that the the movie did to his reputation. Hoskins also had to endure being stabbed multiple times, having his finger broken, being electrocuted, and nearly drowning. They says at a certain point, and I wasn't paying that close of attention, 
you can see like a almost a pink bandage on his hand from his fingers. Poor guy suffered a lot. But I love that part about beyond just the damage that the movie did to his reputation. Producers approached Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Keaton to play King Koopa, but they both passed. Dustin Hoffman, Danny DeVito, and Harold Ramis were also approached about working on the film, but they declined. Tom Hanks was considered for the role of Luigi, but the failures of Turner and Hooch that came out in 89 and Joe versus the Volcano, which... Okay, it's another one of those horrible movies that I absolutely love. I actually wrote a newsletter post about that if you want to go back and read that on justkeepswimming.substack.com. But Joe versus the Volcano came out in 90, so that led the studio to believe that Hanks wasn't really a box office draw. So Hoskins was coming off of the success of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They thought, you know, he'd be bankable, so they hired him instead. He did not know anything about Mario. Um, it, it's also funny that most of the people that did express interest who later dropped out probably because they saw the script that was being constantly changed. They all were going to do it. Um, Dennis Hopper, same way he ends up playing King Koopa. They all were going to do it because they had ch- a children in their, they had a child in their lives that loved Nintendo, loved Mario. And so the kids wanted them in there. Poor Hoskins had no idea what was going on. Koopa's patented at a certain point, he has this handheld de-evolution gun, which we're going to talk about the de-evolution in a little bit. But he, those were actually just painted Nintendo Super Scopes, um, an actual peripheral available for the Nintendo systems. So they just spray painted those. Clever, I guess. I mean, it's another easter egg if you are a nintendo fan you would probably recognize that which is kind of cool in his 2007 autobiography john leguizamo states that he and bob hoskins hated working on the film and would frequently get drunk to make it through the experience (laughs) both men apparently knew the movie would turn out bad so they simply tried to make the best of it he also stated he felt one of the biggest reasons the movie turned out the way it did was because the directors wanted a more adult movie, while the studio, considering the source material, was looking for a children's film. So they talk a lot about their hate for the directors. It was a married couple who just yelled at each other all the time, which would be a horrible atmosphere to work in. I can see getting drunk, but I'm, I'll talk about it a, li- a little later. But it's amazing to me the performance we get out of them, despite the fact that they're having a horrible time. Um, Dennis Hopper here explained why he did the film. I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers and my six-year-old son at the time, he's now 18 when they did this interview. He said, dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy, King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, dad, I don't need shoes that badly. (laughs) Burn by a child. It's just so great. And finally, the Yoshi puppet, which looks nothing like Yoshi from the games, was capable of making 64 separate movements due to 200 feet of cable crammed inside its three-foot-tall structure. In all, no less than nine puppeteers were used to operate the Yoshi puppet, who was barely in the movie. It's like that's where part of the $48 million got thrown at was Yoshi. Oh, so there's our lazy internet research, and now for a spoiler-filled summary of the movie. It's convoluted, but I'm going to do my best. It's not going to make any sense to you if you've not seen it. But once upon a time, dinosaurs roam the Earth, then one day a meteor hits the Earth, and while our history dictates that all of the dinosaurs were killed, a 
In reality, in this imaginary world, a parallel universe was in fact created. In this other world known as Dino Hatton, the dinosaurs have evolved into human-like lizard people and are looking for a way to the other side, or at least one of them is. Everybody else seems like they would be content if it wasn't for King Koopa, the tyrant who likes to de-evolve the more human-like dinosaur lizard people into mindless Goombas. So he points that Nintendo gun at them, and it sends them back into more of a dinosaur state as opposed to more of a human state. But let's back up a step. So 20 years before the movie takes place, a mysterious woman from Dino Hatton sneaks into Manhattan. <laughs> that's kind of, that's a little clever. <laughs> and leaves an egg and a rock on the steps of a Catholic orphanage. So these nuns watch this egg hatch and pull out a baby. But that doesn't appear to seem like a miracle to them because it's never mentioned again. They told no one. There was never in the papers that, hey, a, a grown, not a grown, a, a real human child was born from an egg. Um, it, and then we've got the rock, as we'll come to find out, allows passage between the dimensions. The woman is then killed by Koopa, who is trying to get his hands on the rock because he wants to cross over into the human world and bring all of his Goombas to take over. So now back to modern day Manhattan, we've got two plumbers, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Uh, they do explain that Mario is the last name since they are known as the Super Mario Brothers. Can you imagine if somebody actually named their child with the same first name and last name, like Tom Tom? <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, so they're a bit, a little bit down on their luck. They're bummed when one of their plumbing rivals, Scapelli, beats them to a job. Scapelli is also fighting with some NYU students who are holding up a construction site to protect dinosaur bones that they found in the project. And so one of these students, Daisy, befriends Luigi. Both are awkward, so it seems like a match made in heaven. And on a date, Daisy takes Luigi to the dig site, and the two catch Scapelli's men trying to sabotage the excavation site with a flood. So they turn on water. Daisy doesn't know what to do. Luigi runs, calls his brother, because his brother can do no wrong in his eyes. Um, Mario rushes to the scene, the brains, uh, brains of the family, who then manages to stop the water and the henchmen who are after Daisy because they find out she has the rock. So not only do we have Scapelli's group there, we also have some of Koopa's henchmen who have made it over. And that's how I don't understand how they can get into Manhattan um, if they don't have a rock. I don't know if that's explained or if I just passed out during that moment. That's okay. Um, so they are trying to get their hands on it. They know Daisy has it. Um, so they, they grab her and they take her through the portal. And as Luigi is trying to save her, he grabs the rock. Mario and Luigi fall into the portal and they end up in Dino Hatton. And then we, of course, find out that Daisy is actually the, the baby that the mysterious woman left at the orphanage 20 years earlier. She is egg baby, right? So the rock opens the portal. Our plumbers are in Dino Hatton. They then immediately lose the rock and spend most of the money movie trying to get it and avoid capture. They fail at that at one point, end up in jail, uh, but they're able to escape pretty easily. They go to a club um, and dance with a woman in really horrible 
suits. Um, they surf down a pipe on a mattress. They wear flying boot things. They dance with some Goombas. Uh, they just, they have an adventure. And then Daisy finds out she's a long lost princess and that her father, the rightful king of Dino Hatton, has been turned into a fungus. Again, convoluted. And then Cooper gets his hand on the rock at one point. He invades Brooklyn, but is then he's then forced back into Dino Hatton where he's de-evolved by his own machine and turned to goo. The end. <sighs> so, so what did this movie get right? Not much, honestly. This is just a really bad movie. But despite the fa that fact, Hoskins and, and, the fa and Leguizamo, despite the fact that they were drunk through most of the film, I really liked both of them. And I think that's why I do the occasional rewatch of this one, that I find it entertaining. There's something so charismatic about Bob Hoskins that you're drawn to whatever he's doing. He has an expressive face, especially his eyes, and once again just kind of excels at physicality and has great comedic timing, even when the comedy is terrible. And then the sincerity of Leguizamo in the role that is just, it's endearing. And its he's innocent and ridiculous, but also hopeful and optimistic. So despite the horrible plot, you really do like Mario and Luigi. If if you didn't, I don't think I could rewatch this movie, but I really like these guys. So what irritated me about the movie? Um, outside of the I don't understand the rock and how some people can get through the portal and other people can't get through the portal and the fact that the nuns just did not make a fuss about a baby hatching from an egg, I wouldn't say anything really irritates me. <laughs> I feel bad for the stellar cast that just had a poor script to work with. There's a lot of people that sneak in. Um, all of the lazy internet research made it sound like the set was just an absolute nightmare. And yet they all seem to give it their best go. Dennis Hopper always plays a fun bad guy. I can watch Speed every single day. It is one of my favorite go-to movies that I find extremely entertaining. And one could also argue that it is a horrible movie. Uh, I have a soft spot for Don Lake as the police officer. He pops up in different things and I just adore him. Oftentimes he's with, of course, Bonnie Hunt and I love Bonnie Hunt. She's not in this one, but um, Aunt Petunia's in it, Fisher Stevens, Samantha Mathis, just a lot of people I like in a movie with a really bad plot. Why is it worth the rewatch? Um, because it's fun. <laughs> because every once in a while you need a movie that expects nothing from you, that it's is solely there to entertain and manages to do so despite its best efforts to the contrary. Sometimes you need a plot that is absolutely nonsensical, but includes seven foot lizards that like to dance in an elevator with a guy named Toad who plays the guitar where little bombs walk around waiting to blow things up and a king comes back to life from being a fungus. Sometimes you just need Bob Hoskins. And that's why we are appreciating him this week because he's adorable and funny and was just a really talented dude so if you have not taken a look at his filmography i highly recommend it there's so many more i need to watch um i almost considered throwing in a third movie this week but since it's the week of thanksgiving that just didn't work out uh to talk about hook his shmi and hook is fantastic but that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed our first appreciation week, and I hope you go out and watch some Bob Hoskins. Soak up some of that charm and humor. It will definitely be worth your time. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. Season three starts the week after next.
you, you need to join me for it. It's going to be a good time. I've got a couple guests that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about movie musicals. I'm going to gush about so many of them because I like them. I'm going to really rant on one that I don't like. So if you like angry ranting, Emily, then you'll have an episode suited just for you. If you got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the podcast so that other individuals who like random conversations about pop culture with someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about can join the fun as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook is a bit of fun with Emily. I don't post a lot, but I do reserve Wednesdays as the perfect day for asking impossible questions like what is a horrible movie that you still love? Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. <laughs>